Well, hello there. It's another day. I'm Jim Harrington. Hey, actually, it's uh, Friday by my uh, recollection where we got the weekend upon us and the news is not getting better. It is getting interesting because there's a lot of things that are hanging in the wind. You just got to wonder, will justice really prevail? Hey, uh, right before now, we get into any of that, just a, a moment of this. All right, you got it. Sucker punch somebody on a sidewalk. Carjacking old lady at a red light. Pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store. You think it's cool, act a fool if you like. Cuss out a cop, spit in his face. Stomp on the flag and light it up. Yeah, you think it's tough. Well, try that in a small town. I still like this. I, I was listening oh. to this yesterday, you know. Try this. Try that in a small town. You know, we talked about it yesterday, and it made all the talk show circuits yesterday. Now, it even got on The View, and they're mad that uh, he's taking small towns, picking on those big cities. You can't do that. We're going to send Antifa to your little town. You know, and I'm like, going, you know, I don't know that that would be a smart move. <laughs> it really wouldn't, but... <laughs> Uh, you sent me another piece of music. Uh, you're really into this, uh, uh, these no. different country songs. But this is a, this is a great song. You sent I, me a song by a guy named Jelly Roll. Yeah, Jelly Roll. Now, if you're going, oh, that's some rapper. Well, he can rap, but he's not what you think. But you know, you see him with little old ladies. Mm -hmm. And he, is it the same have, guy, by the way? Is is the rapper Jelly Roll the same guy as the country singer Jelly Roll, or are they two different guys? Well, I, I, this is the Jelly Roll I know. Now he had a hard life. Uh -huh. He is he's, he was a young kid when he started out, and he did some bad things because didn't have much of an education. Had uh, not a hope, not a prayer, not a thought in life. You know, did some jail time. I do believe. This guy, though, you would have thought he'd never had a chance in hell of being anything. He even said that, but he had a come-to-Jesus moment in his life, and then he sat there. He was writing down his thoughts and singing them, and all of a sudden, people started listening because he was talking to mainstream America, saying what we all think sometimes when we're alone. I only talk to God when I need a favor And I only pray when I ain't got a prayer So who the hell am I, who the hell am I to expect a savior? Oh, if I only talk to God when I need a favor Like Hail Marys, if you're still there, 
Lord, spare me. Oh, my God, oh, my God, Hail Mary. Hanging in there, just barely throwing up prayers. Like Hail Marys, if you're still there. Lord, spare me. What a great song. That is uh, one of my new top five songs. I like that. I only talk to God when I need a favor. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Wow. It's so true. And we've all done it. Don't lie. You, you, yeah. We've all done it. We forget, you know, we talk to God. We get in the usual habit of it. Hey, Lord, thank you for a great day. And then you're going along and just think about those little things. And then all of a sudden, you know, life is going your way. You don't care anymore. You don't say anything. And then all of a sudden you hit that roadblock in life that hits you smack in the face. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's like a fair weather friend. You go back to God. I can't tell you how many times, you know, I, I, I've i turned to God and I've asked him for a favor. And I think to myself, God, I, I am, I'm a sinner. You know, I, how can you possibly even consider uh, helping me out again, you know? Hey, I, always, I always get the feeling he does. I always and get there, the feeling he does, you know? And there's people that listen to that and probably go, oh, you know, they're cringing, but they've done it themselves because we all like to think that we're, um, I don't know, some sort of badass. And, you know, you know, we are living in probably one of the most precarious times in history. I was listening to uh, yeah. Dan Bongino's show yesterday. Yeah. And he, I don't know if you heard him or not, but he was talking about how we're like, two minutes away from nuclear war. He said, are you paying attention to what's happening in China? Are you, are you paying attention to what they're doing in China? Xi, the leader of China, is, is telling his people, you need to grow more crops locally. I guess they get a lot of yeah. grain and stuff imported into China. He said, we have to have uh, more of our own stuff. We have to be more self-sufficient because we are going to have to stand alone which is an indication they're getting ready to do something. And, you know, I love President Trump, but if you think that the other nations are going to hold off until he's in office to do something, <laughs> you know, it ain't going to happen, man. They're going to go after uh, They're going to go after us, I think, very soon, Bill. Very soon. Uh, yeah, they're, pre uh, they're preparing for war. I mean, all the indicators are there. Uh, they're even... Uh, moving uh, ships into certain places that yep. we're going, what? what are they doing there? And they've got air power there. they got ships there. And it's the precursor to war. Talk about, a, talk about needing a favor. We were, we were founded, you know, one yep. nation under God. And here we are. But, boy, we, we, have, really, we have really damaged that relationship in recent years. I mean, when you you told me last week, and it, I'm, I haven't forgotten it, that we are the number one child trafficker I've in the world. I've told you for months, because I've known about this for eons, you know. I, number and, one. Yeah. I knew we were yeah. in the top ten. But to think that we would have a, we'd be a market for child trafficking... No, we are the number one. I guess we're the supplier too, but we are the number one importer uh, importer of trafficked children oh, and people. Despicable. We we are buying that. Yeah, and you know it, it's out there, and it's there. There's always been a level of filth, but how low have we sunk? We are at the bottom of the pond scum. We are beneath. Yeah, we're the they're the, we're the muck that lies beneath. So how the does scum. God how does God even consider rescuing us? It, I think it's prayer. I think it's prayer. I, I think it may sound silly, but you know one of the nice things about having a podcast like this is we can we can speak from the heart, and we don't have well, to censor our words per se because we run the we run the program, you know, and that's what we can say. 
my suggestion to our listeners is I don't care what your religion is. Uh, even if you're agnostic, I guess agnostic means you believe in God. You just don't have a, like one specific faith you follow, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I would suggest you kind of bow your head and ask, uh, God for your forgiveness and for his help, because we are on the brink of a, of a terrible, I think, situation. I don't mean to sound pessimistic, but I mean, I heard Dan Bongino say what we were talking about. We've, we've said this before. He said it on national radio yesterday, and uh, he said the exact same thing. Um, we are on the verge, and we have we have it's like being on a speeding bus with no driver. You know, when you had a guy like Trump in office, you felt confident he was paying attention to the road. When you have a guy like Biden, I got to play a cut for you, Bill. Oh boy, here uh, we go. Yeah, I got to play a cut for you. This is John Kirby, the spokesman for uh, for Biden. Now, we were talking about this yesterday. Uh, we had, uh, uh, I guess his name is Herzog. He's the president of Israel, mm-hmm. not the prime minister, the president. There's two uh, separate positions. He was in Washington, and that's where Biden was falling asleep on him. Remember, he, they were oh, both yeah. sitting in high back chairs, and it made the world news. I mean, everyone's talking about how Biden was uh, nodding off in sentence, mid-sentence, right? Listen to how John Kirby covers for him. Listen. About Israel, because the president met with the president of Israel yesterday in the Oval Office. This this moment got of a bit of attention, um, and it's not the only one that is kind of like this that we sometimes see, and I just want to play it for you. Sure. And we brought Israelis and Palestinians together at a political level. This is where he's nodding off. And and, uh, as I... uh, Affirmed to Prime Minister Netanyahu yesterday, America's commitment to Israel is firm. John, this got a lot of attention. It got picked up in a lot of places. Why is it so hard to understand what what the president is trying to say there? I think he was very, very clear, Martha. Uh, First of all, our commitment to to Israel's security is ironclad, not going to change. That doesn't mean that we don't have concerns. He doesn't have concerns, and he's expressed those, uh, about uh, the significant changes that are afoot uh, in the the democratic institutions inside Israel. And the president spoke about that honestly with Prime Minister and with the, the president of Israel. Israel. Uh, but Israel is a, a, a deep and secure partner and, and friend in the region. We're going to do everything we can to make sure that they can continue to defend themselves. So you didn't think there was any problem to communicate there? You didn't have any any difficulty understanding what he was trying to say? The president was very clear in the, in that in that clip, and he's been very clear uh, publicly and private with, his, with uh, Israeli leaders about what we're trying to do here. Whatever you do, don't believe your lying eyes. <laughs> I mean, if you see him nodding off in the chair, if you see him just bowing his head with his eyes closed and going off into dreamland. Trust me, he's being very, very clear. That's oh, right. Okay. How about when he was like in Philadelphia and he got lost again trying to get off the stage? You know, Google's got to do something about that. You know, you'd think not only would they have the maps, but they would have get your ass off the stage directions, you know, or something <laughs> like that. You know what they should do is they should put like lit arrows on the stage. You know, just follow the arrows, Joe. When 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 he's finished with his sentence, they could light up, and all Joe has to do is look down and follow the lit arrows to where he has to go. He, but like you know, a plane landing in the fog. Just... But I think they tell him what to do seriously, and he still screws it up after the uh, after his speech. He's uh, in Never Neverland. But you know what? It, it's amazing. We laugh at this stuff, but he's still a bad guy. If you've been paying attention to these hearings, the money, the criminal uh, income that this Biden family has uh, amassed is uh, is mind-boggling. I mean, yeah. tens of millions of dollars from all these corrupt uh, people, uh, bureaucrats. And I think to myself, if it were me or you, as soon as the allegation was made public, they would have police... Uh, in the room, putting us in handcuffs. Exactly. Well, what was it? Chuck Grizzly on Thursday, yesterday? Oh, Grassley, Grassley, Grassley. Grassley. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, he uh, he didn't he release that document uh, showing Joe Biden was involved with the ten million dollar yeah. bribery scheme. So we know that you know it's not just you know well it could be we you know it, it's a fact and it's also a fact 
that it's more than $10 million, but that's just the, that was just the opening of the door of all the money that he skimmed. And not only as president, that was during the vice presidential years. Yeah, it says here, uh, Senator Chuck Grassley on Thursday released the FBI document showing Joe Biden was involved in a $10 million bribery scheme with Burisma CEO Mikola Zlachevsky. Okay, so that's ten $10 million, but that's only the tip of the iceberg. I mean, yeah. he's got tens of millions from the Chinese. And, you know, Dan Bongino said yesterday, he said, don't think for one second the Chinese don't have video and audio of all the transactions that they've had with uh, the Bidens, all of the private conversations, all those things have been recorded, and they're just waiting. It's like blackmail. You know, you keep giving us, you give us any grief. You give us a hard time on anything we want to do, and we may just make these things public and uh, embarrass you on the world stage. Well, see, I think they're beyond that now because of everything that's going on in, in the news and everything. And plus, they're making plans of just saying the hell with it. We're going to march forward and take that country. They're getting ready for war. Technically, they've got him. They don't have him by the short hairs. They've got his huevos in their hands. But here's, just the, waiting. Here, here's the thing, Bill. I think what they fi- figure now is that if they go after Taiwan... And, and they have Biden compromised like he is, he's not going to do what Trump would do if he were president. See, Trump is uh, all-American, totally uncompromised, uh, and he would think of one thing, what's best for our nation and our mm-hmm. allies. But Joe is like, he, they got him in a compromised situation. So if they, if they do something, I think they are pretty... They're pretty confident that uh, Joe will have a, he'll come out and say angry things like you shouldn't have done that. And But the fact of the matter is he's not going to do much of anything, I think. When push comes to shove, I think Taiwan is going to be on its own. What is it, the F-22 that we have? That yeah. Pretty, okay. Now, they deployed those, I believe, over down, I guess, in the Persian Gulf, right, uh, down, going down to Iran, and we're, we're deploying – Hardware down there, meaning ships and aircraft, because mm-hmm. the word is we're getting ready to go in there and do a strike. Now, is it is it a strike for cause, or is it a strike to start something up there that we're involved with? Oh, we had to do it just to distract from other stuff. God knows. I, I do think that uh, this could be the most corrupt administration in our history. I mean, think about it for a second. You just heard John Kirby spokesman Mm -hmm. for the White House, you just heard him telling us that the president was being perfectly clear as he nodded off to sleep in front of the president of uh, Israel. And we all saw it. The world saw it. The world's talking about it. But we're supposed to just believe Kirby, and he was perfectly clear. They have brainwashed the American public to where, you know, it is it is part of ticks. It's not politics anymore. It's part of ticks. You know, and and people that are Democrat, and I'm not saying that they're bad, all all Democrats bad, but because Republicans are this way too. We have been brainwashed by the media and by maybe a little 80 square mile uh, piece of land where all the power brokers are and the money lies, and they're controlling the the trillions of dollars that we the people have and they're taking away our power which is our strength in numbers for my friends out there who are democrat and i do have a lot of friends who are old school democrats they've been democrats for years and uh i would submit that the party today is 180 degrees from what it was 20 years ago 30 years ago i mean it is not the same party. If you are somebody who's uh, approaching my age, you know, it ain't the same party that we uh, we were part of uh, 50 years ago, 40 years ago. It just isn't. Could you imagine if any of the founding fathers were alive today or were brought back some way, somehow, and they walked into this world, they would sit there and look at the United States they're going like, what happened to 
the citizenship. What happened to this? What happened to that? Yes, we were the great experiment. But somebody now, because it works, and it's not good for them. Well, you heard what Ben, ben Franklin said. Do we have a republic? And the guys in Franklin says, you have a republic if you can keep it. That was his yeah. quote. You have a republic if you can keep it. And he, he was not uh, being flip. He knew that it was something which you could lose as quickly as you got it. That's why I say an 80-square-mile place, maybe even less than that, where all the power brokers, the decision makers, and the seat of all the money there the, lie, and they're sitting here stealing from you. Yeah. You know, your rights to get your money, and they'll take away your hopes and your dreams, and when they're done... They'll lay you to rest. They'll lay you to ashes because they don't give one damn about you. I mean, and you're like a bunch of sheep that have lost its way from the flock. And what I was saying about it's not the same Democratic Party, I was leading to this here. The perfect example of how it has changed is what happened yesterday at the, uh, the hearing with the House Democrats trying to censor trying to censor in the hearing RFK Jr., Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Oh, yeah. Now, you had Debbie Wasserman Schultz trying to shut him up, trying to silence him. Well, here's a portion of what she did. Listen. I'd like to raise, I'd like to raise a point of order. General Lady, state a point of order. Point of order pursuant to House Rule 11, Clause 2 which Mr. Kennedy is violative of, I move that we move into executive session because Mr. Kennedy has repeatedly made despicable anti-Semitic and anti-Asian comments as recently as last week. Rule 11, Clause 2 says, whenever it is asserted by a member of the committee that the evidence or testimony at a hearing may tend to defame, degrade, or incriminate any person, or it is asserted by a witness that the evidence or testimony that the witness would give at a hearing may tend to defame, degrade, or incriminate the witness, and it goes on. Mr. Kennedy, uh, among many other things, has said, I know a lot now about bioweapons. We put out hundreds of millions of dollars in, into ethnically targeted microbes. The Chinese have done the same thing. In fact, COVID-19, there is an argument that it is ethnically targeted. COVID-19 attacks certain races disproportionately. The races that are most immune to COVID-19 are- A lady making a motion or a speech? I, and I've made a motion to move into executive session because Mr. Mr. Kennedy's testimony- Mr. Chairman, I move to table the motion. Gentleman from Kentucky has moved to table. Mr. Chairman, I ask for a roll call vote on the on the motion to table. Well, let me ask the question. The question is on the motion to table. The gentlelady has asked for a roll call vote. The clerk will, will have to step back for a second. The clerk will have to come in. We'll call the roll on the motion to table, and then we can get back to testimony. I think the witnesses can sit in the chairs sitting behind. Um, I'll leave that up to the clerks. If the clerks are comfortable with that. Yeah, why don't we do that? Maybe we can go right down here. Mr. 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 Chairman, point of order. Gentleman from Louisiana. Is it the custom of this committee to censor viewpoints that we disagree with from witnesses? Mr. Chairman, I have, a, not motion. A, point I have a motion on the table. There's a motion and the vote's been called. We're waiting for Kennedy the clerks. Is violative of waiting Rule 11, Clause 2. Waiting for the clerks. Clerk will call the roll. Mr. Jordan. Yes. Mr. Jordan votes yes. Mr. Issa. Mr. Massey? Yes, to not censor. Mr. Massey votes yes. Mr. Stewart? Yes. Mr. Stewart votes yes. Mr. Ms. Stefanik? Yes. Ms. Stefanik votes yes. Mr. Gates? Mr. Johnson of Louisiana? Yes. Mr. Johnson of Louisiana votes yes. Mr. Armstrong? Yes. Mr. Armstrong votes yes. Mr. Stubbe? Mr. Bishop? Yes. Mr. Bishop votes yes. Ms. Kamak? Yes. Ms. Kamak votes yes. Ms. Hageman? Yes. Ms. Hageman votes yes. Ms. Pascat. No, I want to follow the rules that the Republicans made at the beginning of this uh, conference with these House rules, so no. Ms. Pascat votes no. Mr. Lynch? No. Mr. Lynch votes no. Ms. Sanchez? No, because it's violative of the rules. Ms. Sanchez votes no. Ms. Wasserman Schultz? No to allowing a witness to degrade and not others time. and violate the rules and not have his testimony and degradation and amplified rather than given an executive session. Ms. Wasserman Schultz votes no. Mr. Connolly? No to the Soviet Politburo. 
Mr. Connolly votes no. Mr. Garamendi? No. Mr. Garamendi votes no. Mr. Allred? Ms. Garcia? No. Ms. Garcia votes no. Mr. Goldman? No to hate speech. Mr. Goldman votes no. Mr. Gates? Yes. Mr. Gates? Aye. Mr. Gates votes aye. Yes. Uh, the, the motion to table is agreed to. So there you go. There you heard uh, what happened yesterday a little bit. They had, you heard the vote there. I wanted you to hear the vote because it was 12 eyes and 10 no's. It was all along party line. But what's interesting, you have to understand mm-hmm. what they were voting on. It, the 10 Democrats were voting to censor, to take Robert F. Kennedy out of a public hearing and put him in a behind-closed-doors private hearing. And they were trying to censor one of their own party members, a candidate for the presidency on the Demo- from the Democratic Party. I mean, this is, this is mind-boggling, but it, I, I think it's very telling as to the differences between the old Democrats and the new Democrats. All the sheep have been trained to follow... You know, a new person to take them out of the flock, you know, and then, you know, there's strength in numbers, but they're, they're you know, the, the John Q. public is going to go by what the news says and go, oh, yeah, well, he know, he's got to be censored. And well, no, he doesn't. He see, needs they, to be heard, and you need to make a clear choice. Understand something. If they'll censor Robert F. Kennedy Jr., they'll censor you and me and every listener to this podcast. They will have no problem. I heard somebody say, Dan Goldman, I think it was, who was a uh, wacko a leftist Democrat from New York, said, he said, hate speech isn't free speech. Hate speech isn't free speech. Well, who decides what hate speech is? Is, is, is it the ruling party? Is it, you know, it, for example, uh, if... Biden wants to call what we do here hate speech. Could he summarily stop our program from being anywhere just because yes, we're we're questioning what he does? Yes, he could. That and absolutely, so, and we are not being we're being American. It's American speech. We talk about stuff. The kind of program we do here is very much like. The, the type of uh, discussions you would have found in general stores back in 1880 when everybody would go in and on a cold day and, and uh, sit around the, the uh, iron stove and they'd have a cup of coffee and they'd all discuss the politics and the news of the world. That's right. the kind of stuff we do here. It's very American. But the left would want you to shut up. They'd want to stifle us. And they want to stifle RFK Jr. It's amazing. Yeah. It's it's not going to get any better, friends. Oh, you know, I was reading a, an article that uh, about the election. And, you know, one of the things the Democrats are doing, and I, I, I from the last time I checked, I've talked to the man before. Uh, it's been a long time. But um, as Joe Manchin, they want him to uh, throw his hat in the ring because not because they want to support him. What they think he will do is take away those Democrats, those moderate Democrats that are going over Republican to bring him back to him so he won't go for Joe. But in the divisiveness, they think the numbers go to old sleepy Joe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so, you know, Manchin wouldn't win. Joe will win. They, they, Joe is a puppet. He is, he is not really calling the shots. He might think he does in his feeble old mind, but it's a sad situation. Well, all I can tell you is RFK, when he left yesterday, he must have thought to himself, wait a second, wait a second. This is not the Democratic Party that uh, my family has been a part of for 50 or 60 years or longer. This is completely different. These are socialists. These are yeah. socialists. They, I, I've often thought John F. Kennedy, had he lived and, and saw what's happening now, I mean, he would, he would be dis, disgusted with what uh, the Democratic Party has become. That's why I, I say to my friends who are Democrat, you, look, you don't have to be a Republican because maybe you figured, oh, I would be anything but a Republican. 
be independent. Go out there and, and think for yourself. Vote for who you believe is the right person. Don't, don't necessarily tie yourself up with the party. But believe me, if you think being a Democrat is the way to go right now, just listen to how they're trying to silence one of their own. I mean, I got to play for you a couple of cuts from Robert F. Kennedy. All right, go ahead. Robert F. Kennedy uh, sat down, and he was very articulate, and he defended himself very, very well. You know, I want you to think of one thing uh, when you hear him talk. Think of uh, Donald Trump and Robert F. Kennedy having a uh, a joint candidacy for the presidency, you know, president, vice president. I, well, isn't that how it used to work a long time ago? That, well, they had, uh, they had, they did have, yes, they had uh, different parties represent those two different positions. Yes. Right. Because when you ran, if you won, you were the president. If you came in second, you no. were the VP. That, no? no, that's not, that never worked like that. that. That Not to my knowledge. They did sometimes select somebody from another party. I, I, right. I, I'm trying to think of it specifically. I, if you gave me a few minutes, I probably could get you uh, the answer, but uh well, anyway, I wouldn't want to have a bad candidate on anyway on the other side. I of think the, fence. the thing about Robert F. Kennedy is his uh, party affiliation aside. I think he's a pretty honorable guy, I, and I think he's a very knowledgeable guy. And by the way, he has called Donald Trump his friend, even though they don't believe in a lot of things politically there. And I do think there's actually more in common than well. Personally, know. there are some things that have been thrown into the political arena that I don't think should be in there. Do you think, no, I'm, I'm pro-life, but when did it become a political, you know, stance? Well, 1974, 73, well, yeah, uh, obviously, with yeah, Roe versus but, Wade, but uh, that's when it started. And I do think that, uh, I think in the world we live in right now, the decision they made this past summer is, or I guess spring is the, is the right decision. I'd mm-hmm. like to see it stronger. Some states are uh, states are making it stronger uh, because I'm pro-life. Uh, so I, am I, and I am very. Uh, uh, I, I I was I equivocated more when I was younger, but I'm more firm in my stance now. Yeah, I I think that you know the federal government can't be in everybody's business in all fifty states. You know, it's it's got a bigger role to play, and that's not it. I think it should be up to the state level. And even then, how far the state should be involved in it, I don't know. But All I can uh, say is that, uh, you know, the baby has never done anything wrong. The child has never done anything wrong. It never deserves, deserves to be terminated, killed. You know, when somebody says, well, it's not a baby till it takes its first, first breath. If I'm looking at that person say that, I'm looking at an idiot. I'm looking at an well, idiot. You know, I, I would submit that from the... From the first moment those two cells joined together, they never stopped multiplying. They never right. stopped creating new new cells. From the time they were joined together, the egg and the sperm, they never stopped the process. There was no hesitation. It was a continuous life mo- movement from that moment to the end of life, maybe 80, 90 years later. And... and, and that says to me, it's all part of the same spectrum, the same life yeah. landscape, and and you don't terminate it just because it's an inconvenience. And I would submit to any young lady out there who's pregnant and trying to figure out what the heck to do, I would think that most people, most families, will help you out these days. It's not somebody the, will help you out because yeah, you, uh, you're you're not alone, and you shouldn't be embarrassed by it. The yeah. simple fact is. Uh, look, you know, if you uh, if you terminate a life or you decide to terminate that life, are you not playing God in a round? Oh, absolutely, way? Yeah. yeah. You know, you you're know? deciding whether it should live or die. You know, and those are decisions that uh, should never be taken lightly. You know, it's not. It's abortion is not. Uh, uh, so if you make yourself control. a god, so if you make yourself a god, you're indeed. Committing probably, and somebody's going to go, oh, Bill, you're a wacko here. Uh, but you're uh, committing the uh, the one ultimate sin. Thou should not put no God before me. So if you sit there and play God, you're taking God out of his his rightful role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're by playing God, you've just broken 
the the unforgivable sin. Well, I think that pe- just a thought. But I, I, don't I know think you. that people who have had abortions, I'd like to think that God has the ability to forgive if you are truly he sorry. He does have the ability. You know? So to it is not a, it, it is not unforgivable. You know, I'm I'm just saying. I'm, yeah. You know, hey, it's not a religious show, but we're just telling you what are because. Religion has been brought into politics. Oh, so absolutely. It is a part of the show. So, you know, we're going to give you our values of what we think. Doesn't mean you have to agree with it. And if you did abort and then you're going, man, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, did I commit? No, God still know? loves you. I, yeah. I mean, in my opinion, I think God still loves you if you're truly sorry. You know, if you if you have done something that because we all make mistakes. Cripes, I, I, I think of all the mistakes I've made in my life. Anyway, uh, I wanted to play for you a little bit of, of uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, he was really, really impressive yesterday. He was handling himself very well in, in front of what was unfriendly fire. Listen. I didn't talk about vaccines in that speech. I didn't talk about anything that be, could be was a forbidden subject. I just was talking about my campaign and the things, the conversation that we ought to be happy with each other as Americans. But I was shut down, and that is why the First Amendment's important. Debate, congenial, respectful debate, is the, is the fertilizer, it's the water, it's the sunlight for our democracy. We need to be talking to each other. Now, there, this is a letter that many of you signed many of my fellow Democrats. I've spent my life in this party. I've devoted my life to the values of this party. There's 102 people sign this. This itself is evidence of the problem that this hearing was convened to address. This is an attempt to censor a censorship hearing. The, the, the charges in this, and, and by the way, censorship is antithetical to our party. It was, it was appalling to my father, to my uncle, to FDR, to Harry Truman, to Thomas Jefferson, as the chairman referred to. It is the basis for democracy. It sets us apart from all of the previous forms of government. We need to be able to talk, and, and the First Amendment was not written for easy speech. It was written for the speech that nobody likes you for. And... I was, I was censored not just by the Democratic administration. I was censored by the Trump administration. I was the first person censored by the, as the chairman pointed out, by the Biden administration two days after it came into office. It ordered a truthful, and by the way, they had to invent a new word called malinformation to, to, to censor people like me. There was no misinformation on my Instagram account. Everything I put on that account was cited and sourced to peer-reviewed publications or government databases. Nobody has ever pointed to a single piece of misinformation that I publish. I was removed for something they called malinformation. Malinformation is information that is true but is inconvenient to the government that they don't want people to hear. And, it, and that's antithetical to the values of our country. After I announced my presidency, it became more difficult for people to censor me outright. So now I'm subject to this new form of censorship, which is called targeted propaganda, where people apply pejoratives like anti-vax. I've never been anti-vaccine, but everybody in this room probably believes that I have been, because that's the prevailing narrative. Anti-Semitism, racism, these are, are the most appalling, disgusting pejoratives, and they're applied to me to silence me because people don't want me to have that conversation about the war, about groceries, about inflation, about the war on the middle class in this country that we need to be having. And, and by the way, I want to say this while I'm on the record, that in my entire life and why I'm under oath in my entire life, I have never uttered a phrase that was either racist or anti-Semitic. I have spent my life fighting my professional career, fighting for Israel, 
for the protection of Israel. I have a better record on Israel than anybody in this chamber today. I'm the only person who has publicly objected to the $2 billion payout that the Biden administration is now making to Iran, which is a, is a, a genocidal program. I'm the only one who's objected to that. I fought more ferociously for Israel than anybody. That's Robert F. Kennedy Jr. We'll get more in a second, but you know, it's interesting. He said they couldn't use the word misinformation. That and I heard somebody say, well, it's the same thing, malinformation, misinformation. No. no. Misinformation is a mistake. He made a mistake with his information. Malinformation would mean bad information, meaning it goes against the narrative. There's a difference. Right. You have to think about it. But they actually invented the word malinformation to describe what Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was putting out. And he was defending you know, himself beautifully. Now, the left has been going after him over that uh, anti-vax thing. And he goes, I never said in, if you listen to him, in that speech, anything about anti-vaccination. Now, he did say that he's a, he's a non that he's never said that he's anti-vax. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, he is a non-vaxxer. Now, I have, because the, the Democrats go, well, here he is in a speech saying that he's a non-vaxxer and he encourages other people when he sees them, hey, don't get vaxxed, you know? Well, that's different than being an anti-vax. What you're saying there is, I don't believe in it. You might want to think about it before you do it. Do it. I'm not telling you not to do it, but I'm saying... I didn't do it, and you probably shouldn't either. There is a difference in that. Now, you have to ask yourself, why are the Democrats so viciously going after a Democrat? And I'll, I'll tell you why I think it's happening. It's because, it's because right now they have a puppet, a real sock puppet in the White House who will do just about anything the left wants him to do without question. He will just go along to get along. He is easy. He's very easy for them to manipulate. They get what they want from the Biden administration. You get a guy like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. in the presidency, and it's going to be a different story. It's going to actually going to be more like Trump than like Biden. He's going to be thinking for himself and making honest decisions for the country, which is not what these people, the Debbie Wasserman Schultz and the Dan Goldmans and the, and the ilk on that side want. They are they are very comfortable. They like the fact that they have exactly what they want in the White House right now, and they don't want any changes. Yeah, if you took a big map and sat there and said, this is all of us, and then you took a little felt pin and put a dot somewhere on that map, and that's all the wealth and all the power brokers in the world, that little dot, mm-hmm. and they're sitting there with a big rake, and they're, they're, they're doing the malinformation. It's all malinformation, misinformation, malinformation that they're spewing out, and they're taking that big rake, and they're raking in all your wealth. and It's, it's all about control, friends. They power don't give power a and damn control. Ab- yep. Power and control. They don't give a damn about you, mm-hmm. and you're freely giving away that power and control that you have that you were given when this country was founded, and you're giving up your money too. Here's more of RFK in his uh, his speech yesterday to Congress. But I am being censored here through this target, through uh, through through smears, through misinterpretations of what I've said, through lies, through association, which is a tactic that we all thought we had been discredited and dispensed with after the Army McCarthy hearings in the 1950s. But those same weapons are now being deployed against me to silence me. I know many of the people who wrote this letter. I don't believe there's a single person who signed this letter who believes I'm anti-Semitic. I do not believe that. There is no evidence of that. Now I want to say something I think that's that's more important, and it goes directly to what you talked about, ranking member, which is the 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 need, the, the this toxic polarization that is destroying our country today, and how do we deal with that? We are more this kind of division is more dangerous for our country than any time since the American Civil War, and how do we deal with that? 
How are we going to, every Democrat on this committee believes that we need to end that polarization. Do you think you can do that by censoring people? I'm telling you, you cannot. You, that only aggravates and amplifies yep. the problem. We need to start being kind to each other. We need to start being respectful to each other. We need to start restoring the comedy to this chamber and, and, and to the rest of America, but it has to start here. My uncle, Edward Kennedy, has more legislation with his name on it than any senator in United States history. Why is that? Because he was able to reach across the aisle, because he didn't deal in insults, because he didn't try to censor people. He brought home people who were antithetical to, to what he believed in. He came home almost every weekend with people like Orrin Hatch to our house at the compound in Hyannisport. At that time, Orrin Hatch to me was like Darth Vader because I was an environmentalist. And I was saying, why, why is Teddy bringing this guy home? But he knew that he was effective because he understood that comedy and respect and kindness and compassion and empathy for other people is the way that we have the only way to restore the function in this in this chamber but more importantly today we need to give an example in the leadership of our country of being respectful to each other if you think i said something that's anti-semitic let's talk about the details i'm telling you all the things that i'm accused of right now by you and in this letter are distortions, they're misrepresentations. So I didn't say those things. There's fragments that I said, but I denounce anybody who, is, who uses the words that I have said to imply something that is negative about people who are Jewish. I never said those things. And I want to point out also that the chairman pointed to Dennis Kucinich's fighting behind me. There is no two people in, a, in the country who feel differently about, more differently about American politics than these two people, <laughs> and yet they were friends. Dennis attended his children's basketball games, attended his daughter's wedding. This is what we need, how we need to start treating each other in this country. We have to stop trying to destroy each other, to marginalize, to vilify, to gaslight each other. We have to find that place inside of ourselves of light, of empathy, of compassion, and above all, we need to elevate the Constitution of the United States, which was written for hard times. And that has to be the premier compass for all of our activities. Thank, Thank you. you very much. He was talking about uh, Jim Jordan and Dennis Kucinich having a friendly relationship, uh, Kucinich being a former representative from Ohio, Democrat. And um, the, he would go to, Kucinich would go to Jordan's kids' basketball games. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm thinking, as I'm listening to that, that this is an education for, for Robert F. Kennedy Jr. too, because... Uh, I don't think this ever going back to that condition again. I think that they are so divided. They are so separate and uh, so against each other that there will never be a kumbaya moment where they come together and shake hands. It just no. it just isn't going to happen. It's well, naive to think so. You know, he mentioned, and, you know, if anybody that's done sales or anything, uh, you know, the three words that he talked about, kindness, compassion, and empathy. You got to have that. You got to have respect. And if you don't have that, you will go nowhere in life. And we're on a bus that's not, you know, driven by any of that. Mm. So it's going to hell nowhere fast. You know, you know? I, I, I think that Robert F. Kennedy Jr., I think there's a place for him on the stage, on the national political stage. I'm not sure whether it's with the Democratic Party anymore. I, I got to think he went home yesterday and said, who the heck are these people? He said, I know all of you Democrats who signed this letter against me, and I know you don't believe that I'm anti-Semitic. And, and I'm thinking to myself, are you that naive? They signed their name on it. The, you know, they, I don't care how they react to you in person. In public, where it counted, they came out against you in writing.
and sign their names to it. Doesn't matter that they don't believe or know. And that's the key thing. They know he's not, but it doesn't benefit what they have in mind, their bigger picture. And so, and that's what he knows is like, well, he's, he's having, he's having a Trump moment. Yeah. You know, and I hate to say that. You know, Trump was a Democrat. Trump was a Democrat for years. You were a Democrat. Yes. But, but (laughs) Donald Trump was a Democrat, gave to a lot of Democratic politicians. And uh, look what happened. Well, since we started doing this podcast, you know, if you would have looked like Facebook is a good example of all the lefty people that are out there and how bad it is and how much they're brainwashed, uh, I had uh, damn near 5,000, maybe a little bit over that, and friends, you know, I was at that limit. Yeah. Now I have 900. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay, because the ones who are sticking with you, they love you. Hey, listen, before I, I wanted to play another cut, Vivek Ramaswamy. Some people call him Vivek. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. really sure exactly how he pronounces his first name, but he is truly an American. He's an American patriot. His, his family came over from India, uh, but he is all American. He's running for the presidency. He is respectful of his uh, opponents, including Donald Trump. They uh, have apparently a, a friendly relationship. I wouldn't be surprised if he were in the Trump cabinet down the road. But uh, they mm-hmm. would, he was talking about, he was out uh, talking about uh, his candidacy and the things that he believes, and uh, here's what he had to say. We're surging in the polls. The knives are coming out. The opposition research machines are churning. And you know what? That's a good thing, because I'm running to be your next president. I want to lead this country, and I better darn well be able to take some questions along the way. Stay skeptical. I would be, too. Let me just address them transparently. Most popular questions we've gotten in order. First, what is my relationship with the World Economic Forum? Answer, none, other than being probably their biggest critic here in the United States. And then the reason people are asking me this, though, is because the World Economic Forum named me on a list of so-called young global leaders. They did it despite the fact that I turned down their award. They kept my name on that list despite the fact that I repeatedly asked them to take it off because I did not share their values. I'm an opponent of it. Well, when they refused to do it, you know what I did? I sued them because I believe in taking action. That's the World Economic Forum question. Next popular question we get is, what is my connection with George Soros? Answer, none. Zero. Indirect, direct, zero connection with George Soros. Why are people asking this question? It's because back in 2010, by the way, long before George Soros had completely fallen off the deep end and gone into these progressive causes, funding these disastrous toxic prosecutors who are soft on crime, who I've also railed against, long before then, in 2010, I won a scholarship when I was 24, 25 years old, headed to law school, that was partly funded by not George Soros, but Paul Soros, who's a relative, a brother of George Soros, who made his money independently, who, by the way, is now dead, that funded hundreds of people. Hundreds of kids won that scholarship. I was one of them to go to graduate school at the age of 24, 25, back when I didn't have a lot of money to do it. And you know what? If I had turned down that scholarship back then, that would have been so foolish that anybody that foolish probably should have no place anywhere near the White House doing trade deals on behalf of this country. Next question I actually got last few days was about a statement that I had made about masks back in early 2020, in the early stages of the pandemic. And here I'll admit it, my anti-government instincts got the better of me. Because I don't know if you all remember this, but back in March, April 2020, when I put that tweet out, which said that we should buy masks based on individual personal responsibility or whatever it was that I said, that was in response to the government, including Fauci and the head of the CDC, laughing at people for buying masks and telling people across this country that they shouldn't buy masks. I have inherently libertarian instincts. I'm skeptical of the government. I think the government mostly lies. And so when they were saying don't buy masks, I went the other way and said that, you know what, if the government's going to tell me not to protect myself, then maybe we should be protecting ourselves. 
Well, as the facts changed, so did my opinions on it. We quickly learned that masks don't work. The entire time I was against mask mandates and vaccine mandates. In fact, you can take a look at my clip with Tucker in late 2020 when I was one of the early people warning against rolling out the vaccine too quickly and the risks of doing it. But that's where I've been all along. So anyway, keep the questions coming. I think skepticism is good. I think if you want to lead the free world, you better be able to handle the heat. Otherwise, you get out of the kitchen. And you know what? We're going to keep doing this at every step of the way, transparently, openly. That's my job. Your job is to keep asking questions. Keep doing it. Stay skeptical. That's what makes the country work. You know, I think he is going to be uh, someone to uh, to look look at in, in the future. I think he has a place in national mm-hmm. politics uh, down the road. I don't think it's going to be this time. I, I no. think uh, as things stand now, if everything stays as it is now, I think Trump is just uh, he's too big. He's getting too much oxygen. Yeah, they're now they're they're touting a poll out there that shows Biden is clobbering Trump. Uh, that I don't buy because it's coming from a source that I don't know, but they're sure as hell promoting it because, you know, everybody does a poll, and you can get any number that you want to get that says that you're you're the best thing in the world. It doesn't mean that that's so. It just means it's a number, and but. All you have to do is look at Trump rallies and go, okay, if he's polling so bad, why does he draw 40, 50, 60,000 people? Why does Joe uh, not have enough people to fill up his shoe? You know, I mean, come on. These are the same people who said that he was very clear in what he said to, uh, to President Herzog from Israel as he was falling asleep in the chair. Uh, I don't believe that uh, he's anywhere near Trump. When I hear that he's leading Trump, I just think that's a push-pull. It isn't real. It, it is just not happening. They're just trying to make you believe that uh, Trump can lose. Before we say goodbye, Bill, I think it's appropriate right. to play uh, this shortcut from the mayor of New York City. Oh, who, yeah. He's nice, t- guy. Yeah. nice guy. He's yeah, telling... Yeah. He's telling um, all of the Come on Ill- over. No, 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 no. That's no. that's over. Get the that's hell out. Not- He's saying the door Stay is away. closed. We're all full. Oh. Listen. We stated several months ago that we have reached full capacity. And that full capacity was verbalized, and now New York is just going to be visually actualized. Uh, we're going to see how much of our cup has basically runneth over. Uh, we have no more room in the city, and we need help. Unbelievable. This guy was the guy who was saying, come on up, right? Don't you hate people, by the way, who use these made-up words, actualized? And yeah, I was yeah. going, actualized. Uh, what is he yeah, talking yeah. about, you know? Well, Don't, what he's saying is the ship is taking on water, and it's sinking. We need yeah, your help, yeah, yeah. SOS. And, and, and illegals, uh, find another city because there's no more room here. Now, this boat is going down Yeah, <laughs> fast. Uh, you know, I used to love New York. When I worked in New York, it was an adventure. Every day I went into New York City, truly, it was an adventure. I, I was a kid from, uh, from Rhode Island who didn't have a lot of New York City experience, and all of a sudden I was working in the Big Apple, and it was, it was exciting. Uh, it would be frightening right now. Because yeah, it would. there's there's no true law and order like it used to be, uh, mm-hmm. because of clowns like you just heard, Eric Adams, who has made it difficult for the good men and women in uh, law enforcement to do their job, the jobs that they swore they would do and do correctly. Guys like Adams, who says, "Well, I was a former policeman." Well, if you talk to people who knew him on the force, they said he was a ham and egger back then too, you know. But uh, anyway. Uh, I think we could go on and on, and that's probably something for another show. I should point out, my friend, that if you want to contact us, you can reach us at 833-538-7868, 833-538-7868. There's also mail at itsanotherday.com, mail at itsanotherday.com. <laughs> I thought you were going to pull a Joe and fall asleep at the end. <laughs> it's wait, 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 wait. Hang on. I got to yes. do this right. Yes. <laughs>
That had to hurt. He just banged his head against the microphone. Anyway, it didn't feel good. No, anything for showbiz. Uh, Why did I do that? Hey, listen. Before you pass out, I want you to say, as you normally say every day, "Hasta la vista, baby." I'm out of here. It's the weekend. I think he fell over. The Voice of Freedom, CRN America. These days, when you want an answer about just about anything, you ask Alexa. You ask her about the weather. You ask her who won your favorite sporting event. You ask her to find a fact that you can't find anywhere. Well, we did that too. We asked her how many people have downloaded itsanotherday.com. And this is what she said. From acceleration.com. It has been downloaded as much as 260,433,467 times. I know. Seems like a lot. Seems like a lot to us, too. But it's Alexa. Thanks for making us a part of your day. And tell your friends about itsanotherday.com. We could use an extra listener. I mean, what do you do when you only have 260 million? <laughs>